Welcome to season three of the Today is a Good Day podcast, a podcast to bring you a new point of support as you navigate your NICU journey. Today is a Good Day is here to be a resource for you. We share personal stories from families who have been there, important advice from medical professionals, opportunities to focus on self-care and more. Please don't forget to hit subscribe, share this episode with anyone who might find it helpful and leave us a review on your favorite podcast listening app. Many hospitals have a dedicated social worker on staff to support NICU families. But how do you access a social worker? What questions should you ask as a new parent in the NICU? Today, we are speaking with Shannon Davis and Leah Heil from Nemours Alfred I. DuPont Hospital for Children. Shannon received her bachelor's in social work from Westchester University and master's in clinical social work from Widener University. She also has her license in clinical social work. Shannon has just been accepted through Postpartum Support International to take her perinatal mental health certification. She began her career working for the Chester County Children, Youth, and Services Agency. And during that time, she also worked part-time at Crozier Chester Medical Center as an on-call social worker for traumas and weekends in maternity and the NICU. She later joined the team in the psych med surgery unit. Shannon currently works in the NICU at Nemours. She is excited to continue her education in perinatal mood and anxiety disorders to further provide support for families in the NICU and advanced delivery program. Leah Heil is a licensed clinical social worker for Nemours Alfred I. DuPont Hospital for Children. Since 2018, she has provided support for patients and families in the NICU and the Advanced Delivery Program. Leah joined Nemours initially supporting the tracheostomy, ventilator, and general pediatric patient populations after receiving her Master of Social Work degree from Delaware State University in 2015. Dedicated to helping NICU and advanced delivery program families, Leah has recently focused on expanding her understanding around perinatal mood and anxiety disorders with plans to complete her perinatal mental health certification later this year. Prior to Nemours, Leah worked six years in the addiction field as an outpatient level one substance abuse counselor for adults and adolescents. Welcome, Shannon and Leah. So happy to have you here. And we are really grateful for the great partnership we have with Nemours, Alfred I. DuPont, supporting NICU families. But you have to tell us a little bit about your background and why you chose this line of work. Shannon, I'm going to start with you. Uh, first, I want to say thank you for wanting to be a part of our partnership with Nemours. And it's just been such a great experience working with you, Martha. Um, I think... Uh, I was kind of a lost soul when I was younger in terms of like beginning college and my friend who's a social worker and we were in high school and actually we work together now at Nemours. She said, you should become a social worker. You have a great personality. So that's what I did. And um, it worked out. And I have to say, I think the Nick, you chose me. I wasn't when I went for a job opportunity at Nemours, um, I wasn't going for the NICU, but it kind of, we just found each other and it just worked. And it, I just knew that that was the fit for me. It, you know, the environment, the team, the staff. Um, and so I'm so happy to be there in the NICU. Wonderful. Leah. Thank you again um, for having us as well. I'm really excited to be here today. Um, I... Social work, it, it 
wasn't an easy decision at first. I uh, grew up, my dad was a uh, suicide suicide contact lifeline worker. And I was always so fascinated how he helped people and reached out to people. Um, and uh, that was something that I wanted to continue to do when I got older um, and continue helping and living through kind of his legacy. So um, I studied abroad in, in South Africa, and that really solidified my experience um, working with children and families while I was there. And when I got, I had my internship at the hospital, I um, ended up getting a job there. And one of my friend's coworkers came up to me and said, I think you would be a really good fit for the NICU. I'm leaving and I want you to take my position. And I was a little scared at first, to be honest. You know, that is a very, um, it's a critical population and I didn't have any experience. Um, but my Coworker convinced me that it would be a great fit, and I'm so grateful that I did it. And then I shortly got pregnant after that, and I realized the um, just the lack of resources in our community for maternal mental health, and that really drove my um, motivation to want to to expand in getting um, the perinatal mental health certification. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, thank you again both for being here. I know that you have impacted lots of families over your years as social workers. And I have to ask you about the field of social work because I think, and and personally, I would say the role of a social worker, I think, can be confusing. And my question for you all is I think a lot of families don't know how social workers are supposed to help them, who social workers help, and especially in the NICU. So I'd like to ask you both, what do you want families to know about your role as a social worker? Leah, I'm going to start with you. Absolutely. I think that's a great question. Um, we try to meet with families uh, during the first few days of admission. And I think as soon as sometimes we walk in the room and introduce ourselves and say that we are from social work, I think it can be really intimidating. I think there's a stigma sometimes on what who social workers are. I was always a big fan of Law & Order uh, Special Victims Unit, and they always, I was so frustrated every time they portray social work, it would be somebody from Child Protective Services taking their kids away, overburdened by paperwork, just apathetic, not really caring for families. Um, and I tell families, you know, we're here to help advocate through this journey for them, to help support them through this understandably emotional, difficult time and do, and through their grief, right? Um, when you get pregnant and have a baby, you don't, your birth plan isn't to end up in the NICU. And so we are there to help guide kind of through that journey. And any family in the NICU can can seek your help, seek Absolutely. out your help. Absolutely. And Shannon and I introduce ourselves and meet with every family, um, regardless of their situation. We check in with them frequently. We um, uh, routinely assess for needs and how they're coping. Um, some families may use us more than others, and that's mm. totally appropriate and fine. And um, people experience emotions differently. And feel different things. So sometimes we might be really well-connected with a family in the beginning, or it might be weeks after they're discharged from the hospital and need our support. Mm -hmm. And and your role is so important. I would say for our own story, we didn't use the social workers as much as we should. We we thought they were helping other families that might need more help than us. That's why this conversation, I feel like, is so important because we look back 
And that is a regret that we had during our NICU journey and something we share with other families. We say, make sure you reach out to the social worker. Make sure you ask them about early intervention and secondary insurance, which I know we're going to talk about in just a little bit. But Shannon, do you have anything else to add to that? Just, you know, what you want families to know about your role? I think um, everything that Leah said is right on the nail. I I think also we are a non-judgmental support, right? So I always want families to know that we're here to listen to them. And I tell parents, even if you want to vent about this hospital experience, about the staff, about whatever it is that you feel like you need to vent to me about. I'm here to listen and, I, I'm, and I'm not a judgment because I think sometimes, like Leah was saying, the child welfare worker, right? The assumption is we're here to judge you or to judge what you don't have or to judge what you're doing wrong. And I always want families to feel encouraged to know that we aren't that way at all. We just want to help, you know, we just want to be that support and, you know, that one familiar face. The doctors change every week or every two weeks, or you may see a different nurse, but we're we're here five days a week. Like you, you'll see our face where you're constant in a way. And so, you know, just wanting families to know that. In speaking with the families, what are some of the questions that they ask you? So, you know, families, uh, some families will say, I don't know what to ask you. I don't know what I should ask a social worker. Others will ask us about, you know, if their child's coming in very critical, they may say, have you seen other patients like this? What what happened to them? Like, what do you know? What do you think is going to happen? You know, and they, they just want this answer. Uh, and then we have other families who ask about supports, you know. Um, sometimes other family members reach out to us as well to say, I'm really concerned about my daughter. She's not, she's really withdrawn. She's not talking a lot to us. Like, is there something you can do to help her? So sometimes even other family members reach out to us um, for concerns for their family. And Leah, what questions should parents be asking you when they come into the NICU? I think that's a a, a great question. Um, in the beginning, there's a lot of questions about how to get my baby's birth certificate and social security card and adding them to the insurance. I think a lot of times m- most at the birthing hospital, they do talk about that. But right after giving birth and if the baby is rushed to the NICU or critically ill and, and this is an unexpected event, it's a lot of times they're not right? As humans, we're not going to listen to these details Mm -hmm. um, being in such a traumatic experience. So days later, um, when they come in and they're admitted to our NICU, I think those are some good questions to kind of start asking on how to get these important documents to add the baby to the insurance um, and uh, even applying for um, resources and benefits and also, who who are the supports in the hospital? Um, where can I sleep um, overnight if I am planning to stay? Um, some families will ask me, well, how often should I be visiting? A lot of times um, there are siblings at home and there's a lot of guilt of do how much do I spend time in the NICU versus being at home with my family? Every situation is so unique. And that's what, when we talk about being non-judgmental is talking about how families, you know, some families will choose to come during the day and go home at night. Some families will choose to spend the night and be at home during the day. Some families can only do weekends. Um, So I think just even navigating 
um, their routine is important um, when they kind of during their first few weeks in the NICU. Well, and what I'm hearing from you, too, is just that logistical piece of the NICU journey. Mm -hmm. So when you get into the NICU, figuring out the Social Security, I mean, Paul and I navigated through that Social Security application and secondary insurance application on our own, not realizing we should have asked the social worker at our hospital for help to get through that. So I think those logistical questions, it's really important for listeners to know those are great questions to ask the social worker, but also guidance in setting up the visitation. You know, what have you seen other families do and really helping them walk through that process? Because it is hard to figure out, you know, when you're going to go to the NICU, when you're going to go home, what's okay Mm -hmm. for families to do because it's such a personal journey and you do feel that guilt all the time. And I'm sure COVID has add, added an entire layer to this, right? Yes. I don't know if you want to touch on that, Shannon. It uh, COVID has added. I mean, in the very beginning of COVID, we weren't we were only allowing the mother in. And I was advocating as well as Leah uh, saying, you know, there's mothers who just had a C-section, like they can't really manage to be in a room by themselves and, you know, this isn't fair to our mothers and we had mothers in tears kind of saying, how am I going to do this? Uh, and then thankfully, the hospital said, okay, you know, we'll allow two caregivers. Um, and so that still has been challenging because there are so many loved ones who want to be involved. We are fortunate right now that we have Angel Eye a camera system. Mm-hmm. So we didn't have that for a long time. I think we're kind of one of the last NICUs to get it. But now families can include their outside family members, you know, to be able to be a part of the baby's experience in the NICU, to be able to see the baby. It's not the same, but it at least provides. It's a connection. It's a connection. And it can provide some type of comfort Mm -hmm. for families. And the other thing to touch on, too, about families and even family medical leave, you know, sometimes people don't understand that they should really check the box for intermittent leave because it gives them more options. Sometimes mothers have to make a choice to go back to work because they want to be able to take their leave when the baby's home. And so sometimes people don't know that and your employer isn't sometimes naturally telling you those different options. And so I think families find it helpful when we're able to provide that information. I didn't even think about that with filling out that information for leave and that you can provide some Yeah. I mean, I always tell families do intermittent leave because we don't know how long your baby will be here. But if your baby is discharged in a month from now, then you can take time off for doctor's appointments or follow-up appointments or whatever those things look like. Um, And some, yes, people don't realize it. And so I think a part of our job is also to protect the parent and make sure that we're helping them in all different aspects of what's going on in their life. I would even um, include talking about transportation. Right. Um, some families, we get families from lower Delaware, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and a lot of times um, with medical assistance, there is a medical ben- a benefit through the state's um, Logisticare, or now it's Motivate motiv- Care. And um, you can actually use the transportation for NICU NICU visitation. Um, And a lot of times, Shannon and I will have to call to advocate for the family to use that benefit. But I think it's a good resource and helps um, save some money for gas and travel because that is is so costly, um, especially for families that are traveling 
over an hour away every day right. sometimes. Right. Well, you bring up a great point about resources. So even looking at, and I know we have a direct financial support program mm -hmm. with Nemours, but other organizations that also provide direct financial support to families, connections with the Ronald McDonald House, if families qualify for that. I mean, those are all areas that you help families with. Yes, absolutely. Um, we do the reservation for Ron and McDonald House and figuring out if that's the best fit. Um, because with COVID, um, with the current restrictions, they previously weren't, parents weren't able to return to home. So was that a good fit for the family? Um, sometimes we, we, our hospital does fortunately have three sleep rooms. And so we identify with families what works best for them, um, especially for accommodations overnight. And if families are struggling with certain areas of life during the NICU journey, transportation, they're getting ready to leave and they don't have a car seat, they don't have a crib or a pack and play at home for the baby to sleep in, those are all questions or they need groceries or clothing or any of those types of resources, those would be good questions for families to ask the social worker in their hospital. Absolutely. Right. Um, I would say, you know, we're pretty knowledgeable about the resources per county um, and where families can go to seek out clothing and food drives. Um, Delaware has a great car seat program and local churches have food pantries. So we typically, we can give families per by county um, where to find and locate those resources. Okay, great. And that that is important for families going through it to definitely reach out to the social worker in their hospital. And maybe if there's not a specific social worker in their NICU, whoever is in charge of the NICU to reach out and ask for those resources. Now, I know you both are very busy and you are working with a lot of families on a daily basis. So I'm sure it's hard for you to get around to every NICU family in the big NICU that Nemours has. If a family wants to talk to you, how do you tell them to get in touch with the social worker or with you all in the hospital? What's the best way? Well, Shannon and I are fortunate to have a work cell phone. Um, and so our families have our work um, cell phone number and whatever works best for the family. Some families are big texters, so we will encourage them to text us. Um, some prefer phone calls, some prefer email or just telling the nurse, hey, can you grab my social worker? Um, that's usually how families typically communicate with us. Mm -hmm. Same. I, I find that text is has been a great necessity for our families. They would much rather prefer to say, hey, we're coming at 11. Can, can we meet with you? Or we had a question for you. Um, you know, I just feel like in this society right now, we're just so technology dependent, right? So someone would much rather text before they call make a phone call. So, but we, our cell phones have been a great help for us to be able to connect to families um, regularly and walking through the unit, seeing if there's families in the room. You know, once we build a relationship with them, we see them in the patient's room, we can go in and say hello. I mean, we're fortunate that we split, you know, Leah's on NICU South, I'm on NICU North. So I know that NICU South is being taken care of by Leah, she knows I'm taking care of North. And so we're able to kind of spend more quality time with the mm -hmm. patients that are specifically in our unit. And really we keep connections with family members. Mm -hmm. I speak to some family members from like five years ago, right? Like they reach out to you, they they 
They send me messages. They'll send me pictures of their children. They ask me questions. We're always willing to help families. Even I always say to families on their last day, like, I know you're leaving, but I'm still around and you can always text me and and ask me questions because I feel like when they leave, it's a little overwhelming and all of these connections, all of these people are go away. And I don't want them to feel like they can't utilize um, our cell phone numbers and reach out to us. Well, the the big theme that I'm hearing through our conversation today is the social worker in the hospital is really here to provide support for the family in Mm -hmm. so many different areas from not only those resources with gas cards, groceries, helping to find a family a place to stay if they have a lengthy commute back and forth and they might qualify for closer accommodations, but Mm -hmm. all of those components but also the emotional side. So helping families emotionally, and and that's something that I want to ask you about. A lot of times parents will feel uh, guilt for having a baby in the NICU. This was my fault that I went into labor prematurely, or I didn't realize that this was wrong and I should have come in sooner to get it checked out and maybe I wouldn't be in this situation. How do you help families through those feelings? Shana, I'll start with you. I think for mothers, I I just think that being a mother, right, is this huge responsibility and you can't help but feel like this baby was, I was carrying this baby and I must have done something, even if there's no, you can't make sense out of nonsense, but even if there's no reason, that feeling is still there. And so I think um, I try a couple of different things, you know, um, I always will say to, to moms, and I say it in a, in a lovely way, but I'll say, you know, you don't have that much control. So don't give yourself that much power, right? Like you can't, you can't make something this big happen. So like, point. let's, let's, you know, let's take it down. You know what I mean? And you're great, but it's not. And I also um, have utilized, I'll say to someone, there's a box in that corner and you can make it whatever color you want to make it. You can, However you want the box to look like, it's there, but I need you to take this guilt, you know, because I've had some moms, they they bring it up and they and they talk about it and I'll say, that's so valid, but I, I just need you to like put it there for a second, put, put it in the box um, because let's talk about something else for a minute, okay? And I've had a mom say to me, it's it's in the box. I'm, I'm not going to talk about it. It's, it's there. It's in the box. You know, some people are visual. Some families, actually, the mother was another social worker, and so she looked at me like I had five heads, and I said, you can talk about me when I leave about how corny the box was, but some people, it works for, right? It's good to visualize, like, I'm just going to put that feeling there. Like, I can't control it right now, but it's in this box, and I'll get I think get you back. can put a lot of feelings in that box. <laughs> I feel like that definitely goes beyond the NICU. I, I'm already worker, thinking of feelings I can put in that box. Uh, I personally have a box. It gets bigger every month, but it's there, right? Because we all need a little box, yes, right? I love in that. Mind and, and to be able to put something to the side. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I just find sometimes those things are helpful for our moms to really process some of these feelings. What color is your box, Shannon? Mine's purple. Oh, nice. Mine is nice. purple. Yes, yes, yeah. Love it. So, yeah. That's great. Oh, I love that. That's great. Yeah. Leah. Yeah. Um, that That's great, Shannon. <laughs> I I hear that a lot. Um, I think that is a very common theme amongst our NICU, our NICU families. Um, even dads 
too, um, right? They have a lot of guilt. And then they have a lot of guilt for how the mom's feeling. Um, I make it known, right, how clear it is that you love your baby. It's so clear. You're at the bedside. You're advocating for them. There is nothing you could have, you would have done to harm this baby. And and we know that. I also will encourage the medical team to come in and somebody to speak from the medical side to tell them that this is nothing that mom or dad could have done to prevent this or have done differently. That's It's such a deep and raw emotion, and I think it's something that doesn't go away. I think it, and it may never go away. You might always have that thought, but I think just really validating and normalizing that that is a very typical thought amongst all our families. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Now, this is one of my favorite questions to ask for medical professionals, for other parents that are going through the NICU, but what is your biggest piece of advice that you give to families when you meet with them? So we'll start with you, Leah. Well, I have um, I have a couple. Uh, I think it, there is sometimes such a disconnect in the bond between the baby and the parents because you're not doing maybe your typical things you thought you would have. Um, and so I even encourage families to to read a baby book, um, to use the scent cloths that are even in your care package. Yes. Um, it make Because the NICU, it, it's such an out-of-control feeling. Um, and doing some things that feel in control. Kangaroo care, when that's appropriate, I think is really good. And I think some parents are are scared to ask to hold the baby. And sometimes, you know, I'll have, I'll empower families to have the conversation with the nursing staff. Um, participate in rounds, calling when you're not there. Um, and I think the biggest thing for families is coming up with your new routine. And I think having a routine in the NICU, it, it does alleviate some anxiety. It helps combat that burnout that eventually I think does happen with these really prolonged stays. Um, And finding things throughout your day, whether that's taking a walk outside, getting a coffee in the morning, I just think the routine is so vital um, while you're you're finding your brief new normal Mm -hmm. um, while you're there. And I love what you said about the little things that make make the experience, and I I hate to use the word normal, but more normalized of having a baby. We took books in, like you said, and reading reading to Claire and Mary at the beginning, but I also vividly remember buying a boppy. Mm. I wasn't breastfeeding. We weren't using it for, I mean, Claire was a pound, you know, right? Or at that point, maybe two pounds. But the idea of being able to go and purchase something as simple as a boppy, which seemed like something that we needed Mm -hmm. for having a baby, it will stick with me forever. So I think those little things that it doesn't have to be big, but little things that you can find the book, the scent cloth. The uh, something that you might have been thinking about purchasing when you were pregnant or wanted to get for your baby, that that's so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I love the routine. Shannon. Yeah, I think just what you're saying, right, you became the author of your story, right? So someone wasn't going to write it for you. You decided to be your author, and I think that is so important for families. And I will always say to families, I'll say to the parents, I want, this is going to sound hard to do, But every day before you go to sleep, 
I want you to think about the one good thing that happened. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be anything major super. It could be that you pumped a, a little ounce or an ML of, of, of breast milk. It could be whatever it is for you that I need you to find one good thing a day. You took a shower. You took a right? shower. You, you changed your clothes. You got to the hospital today, right? right? It, it doesn't matter, but those, I just want you to find one. And I always say to parents, because after really difficult family meetings and parents are receiving difficult, scary information, you know, their eyes just are just glazed over and I can see they just don't know what to do. And I always, I wait till everyone leaves, but I always say to parents, listen, it's part of your job is to listen to all of these medical professionals and to take in everything they're saying. But your biggest job for your baby is to have all the hope in the world for your baby. And I want you to know it's okay. Whatever anyone is saying, it's okay for you to have hope. And it's okay for you to give that energy to the baby. And it's that's okay. No one can fault you for that. And that's what you're supposed to do as the baby's parent right now. Um, because I just want people to feel like you can have hope and yes. don't take that away from someone. That's what gets you through the NICU. It, it's little it's bit what, of you know, sometimes people will say, oh, I don't think this mom understands, you know, the diagnosis. And I say, well, she might. But in order for this mom to wake up every day, and to get herself together and to drive into this hospital and to walk into this room and to see her baby, she needs to have hope or she needs to feel like everything's going to be okay mm -hmm. tomorrow. Whatever that is, we all have different defense mechanisms or way we can work this out. But, you know, no one knows anyone else's experience, but we all need a reason why we're walking into that difficult door. And so that's okay to have whatever that is that helps you through. Yes, I love that. And we had a conversation on another podcast episode for Today is a Good Day with a nurse at Virtual, and she talked to us about hope has to evolve and change. And I think that hope, what you're saying right now, Shannon, is having hope and whatever that hope looks like is what's so important. Thank you both for being here today. You shared some really valuable information that can help others, I know, who are going through the NICU and figuring out how they can get help from the social workers and really what the important role is that you both play. And I feel like I need to give a shout out to Today's a Good Day. We were talking about housing and COVID, but I just want to say to you that your um, financial intervention was kind of a divine intervention for us because as COVID hit, we our Ronald McDonald House wasn't taking people. We had families from far away. We didn't know what we were going to do. And we were able to um, set families up through um, the Double Tree, which is right down the street from our hospital, but set them up even for a couple nights or for a weekend. And it made such a difference for our families. And I had one mother who was at the hospital every day, wouldn't leave the baby's side, but it was really starting to affect her emotionally and mentally. And so I was able to convince her and her mother to stay at the double tree for a weekend. And I was like, it doesn't mean you can't come and visit, but just you need some time, take a breather. And it, it was like a whole different mother on Monday, you know, and without today's a good day support, none of those moments would have been able to happen. And so we are so appreciative of your relationship with us and, and the assistance that you give. Oh, thank you. You really are. Thank you for thank sharing you so that. much. This episode of the Today is a Good Day podcast is brought to you with support 
from Life Celebration by Givnish and KeyBank.